Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 49 of Tactical Crouch, one shy of 50. Can you believe it? We've been doing this essentially for a year, a year's worth of podcast episodes. Thanks for being here. I'm Kick Tripod, joined of course by Yiska and Volamel. Here to talk about some competitive Overwatch, Overwatch League. We are done with the regular season. We're in playoff territory now, Joe. Yeah, it's it's been a it has been a crazy ride. Um, talking a little bit before the show, um, you know, need to tune in to the pre-show. We we get to a little a little spicy, a little uh, you know, great great place to ask questions and and get them in to the show. So come, please join us live. Join us for the pre-show. But yeah, season two. It's it's crazy to think about that we've gone from kind of this post post-apocalyptic world of like nothingness um you know the pre-overwatch league era like kind of post-apex post-apac and like just nothing going on and people are dropping like flies um and now we're actually progressing through the overwatch league uh you know think of think of of it what you will but it's uh it's it's pretty <laughs> surreal <laughs> i already internally went like be positive at the start of the show don't jump on this <laughs> i mean you can, like there there are positive aspects and there are you know worrisome uh aspects as well but you know we're here it's it's progressing there's no end in sight um so it, it's i think a net positive thing there are things i wish were a little bit different but i think overall it's good right here's a here's a legitimate thing that i feel is like for me personally it's very easy to already be scared of the off season and then i i soothe myself kind of with the oh yeah we still have the gauntlet then we got world cup a month later and then but at the same time like because of the off season and what it means just like as a stretch of limited content it's very easy for me to have that ruin the rest of the season, which I don't want to do, right? I want to enjoy it as much as there is enjoyment to be gained from. And like having that fear of loss is probably not a good thing to entertain at the point at, at the moment. I don't know. I personally wouldn't mind just like one month of like no competitive Overwatch. Mm hmm. I yeah, like the, the mid-season, right? I think it's a little bit yeah. different when you're like creating content for it every week. And so it means that you're just kind of like oversteeped in it. Like as a like viewer, sure. hundred percent. But mm -hmm. um as someone who has to like watch all of the games and write the episodes and it's just yeah, it's a little much. And to like do a full time job outside of that. Yeah. Um the the thing is, dude, honestly, even for content creators, it allows you to be way more creative with your topic selections and the angles you hit because there's not as many pressing topics that you want to, that seem like obvious, right? So That's I personally really enjoyed the midseason a lot. That's another really good point. There's so many topics that we have to push because we want to discuss them. We want to discuss them, but completely transparently uh if you're not discussing what's going on in overwatch and competitive overwatch like sorry you lose views and it's not that like it's all about the views for some people it absolutely is and like from like a lifestyle perspective like they rely on that money to do it and that kind of sucks but it's also just like 
there's that selfishness that you want to make content that people want to watch. So for sure, you know, whatever. Um, either way, we've got a lot of like great postseason content lined up. We've been kind of stacking up a lot of questions and uh, topic ideas that were appropriate for right now. But um, as we get into post overwatch league playoffs, there's definitely going to be a ton of time. And I think even then like our preseason two overwatch league, uh, or episodes, I think were really fun too, where we went through the power 100%. rankings and we went through all those. I thought that those were really fun and really great. Um, before we get started though, we do have a few like housekeeping things and announcements. Um, first and foremost, we do have our patron game night Saturday at 4 PM Pacific time. So if you want to play games, you want to, uh, be a part, we, we had a blast last time playing, um, custom overwatch games. Yes. Tactical Crouch was still my favorite game type that we played, <laughs> which was so essentially how it works is you have uh it was you have Anna and Widowmaker. Anna, right? Widow, and May. And May. Yes. And essentially if you hit them with your with your shots, you're and you can only use like the the scoped long range shot type things, it knocks them out. And then you have to tactical tactically crouch them down to zero health. And it's the most apt description of this podcast as I could come up with in a game type. So, um, yeah, that's amazing. So 4 PM Saturday, we'll also be streaming it at twitch.tv slash kick tripod. But that also brings up the other part is if you want to support the show, you like the show, we bring you 75 minute to two hours worth of free content every week. And you're like, you know what? I appreciate that. I want to be closer to the hosts and the people who listen and get involved. There's two different ways uh, to get involved and do that. First is to subscribe on Twitch. You can subscribe to twitch.tv slash kick tripod. You get access to some cool emotes. And then um, you also get the croucher. Um, what is it? The Croucher role in the Discord. There's also Patreon itself where you can go sign up. There's different tiers with different rewards. And it's pretty cool. Uh, people have really liked the, the Patreon rewards and stuff that we've got going right now. So um, I think we're coming up. So after we hit our next goal, the one after that is going to be adding an additional episode each month. So... Um, we're pretty close to that. So yeah, go check it out. Patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Whew. All right. Let's talk about some news this week. Uh, of course, brought to you by our patron producers, battle crab made and Peter. Why? Uh, <laughs> I saw maids response to your tweet this week. Yiska, where he put your amazing the panda. You know? Amazing. It's I already I already called him out a little bit for it because in Korea, for instance, you have the option on Twitter to mute certain reply tweets. Now, I would have loved to have that for that tweet. <laughs> Come on, man! I'm just trying to get a new job here, and he's posting panda pictures of me. <laughs> I'm yeah. professional. So professional. Yep, there it is. Um, yeah. So uh, big thanks again to our patron producers. This is a fun one. I was really excited to see this. I brought it up last um, last week, and Eric P to the saint that he is. Yes, exactly. Um, brought he he 
combined a bunch of the preseason power rankings to um, from different content creators, and we were a part of that, and then created a mid-season review where we had done quite well overall. And then we're at the kind of the postseason review now, and he reviewed and he uh, posted the last one. And we've got the final grades are in. First of all, Volamel coming in at number two. The Oracle of Overwatch right there. Yiska coming in at 11th. I come in at 16th and then reinforced down at 28th. Your Overwatch at 29th. Nerf this at 30th and esports.net at 31st. So we did pretty good. All upper top half. So, hey, not bad. I got the Fusion and the Spark were the most wrong. I was, I way overvalued Fusion and way undervalued Spark, which I actually think, um, well, actually, no, Yiska got Hunters wrong. Eight. Hmm. 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 The thing is, I don't know how many people actually had entire season predictions and how often just season this first stage was valued because while it seems like an advantage if ours is valued towards the entire season and they just focus on stage one, they don't then have to consider all the factors that we ended up considering. And I will say much more so than the actual placements. I think we did a great job at figuring out what the important factors would be, yep. namely things like division. We called out divisional differences very early. It had like every team that we justified was like, yeah, but they are in this division. You know, we talked about um, ability to rebuild and um, willingness to do so. We've talked about um, certainly investment of. Uh, how much uh, an orc is willing to put in. Um, yeah, and like just like factors like this, I think that is probably the bigger uh, victory for all of us that we 100%. pointed out these, these important factors before the season started. The one thing that I will say that I think we... I think inadvertently we properly weighted in, our, in all of our power rankings, but something that I, I thought was a big talking point through uh, those discussions and then those episodes was how how much of a factor is going to be past experience within the Overwatch League. Yes. Um, and I don't know that we actually got a proper answer to that. I think we definitely got to see how strong some of the talent is or, or talent was outside of the Overwatch League coming into season two. Um, but I think that question is going to be constantly asked until we get a full, normal, realized schedule for the rest of, you know, the Overwatch League's life cycle. Like going into next season, I think that question has to be asked again like how how important is being within the overwatch league going to homestands being having that taste of travel going into 2020 knowing that you're gonna have to travel week on week um i think that's gonna be something that we're gonna have to ask the question again so um yeah i think we i think overall we did a, a pretty bang up job well done boys yeah i think i think we were solid arc came in at number one he beat you <laughs> you know point eight. i mean to be fair he crushed too he he did very well. The, the thing is, what I found hilarious was how hard Dogman 
like how wrong he was on the spark like by 15 <laughs> places that's ridiculous that is he he over uh, undervalued spark harder than he overvalues his his teammates especially the us ones yeah <laughs> i actually didn't look at that also uh yiska i appreciate your intentional memeage on your total places off that was your plan all around total places what off 69 69 yes so uh, nice you know he planned to be at 11th just for that <laughs> correlation value so yeah there you go uh eric thanks again for putting that together and uh i think overall making us look pretty good so feel pretty good i'd say so i'd say i so. feel pretty good about that you know you're listening to a smart podcast when we're all in the top half while all simultaneously having to disagree with each other <laughs> yeah it's like that was a big part of it too. Even when we planned it, it was just like we don't want to have a ton of spots the same. Like inevitably, there's going to be some. The only spot that we actually ended up agreeing fuel. at was that? fuel at nine. I was shocked when, like, I was I was hoping that we would like find some that were just like, yep, they go here. This is where they sit in comparison. And we didn't really have that many, so I was actually pretty surprised. I think generally we were like, okay, these teams go he around here. Like there was there was like a a kind of class system that I think we all kind of had generally similar teams within. I kind of would like to see what our average kind of the show, if if you want to call it that, what the show thought, uh, taking an average of all three of our power rankings and then seeing where we placed on correlation. That would be kind of interesting. Thanks, Eric. Love you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. Apparently, I just triggered Siri in the other room. All right. <laughs> going well. Um, yeah, so there it is. Uh, we will make sure to just go search for it's called preseason power rankings final grades on the competitive Overwatch subreddit. I think we've shared it in Crouchers already. If we haven't, we will. Um, but yeah. So that's the first big, we got that out of the way. We can stop gloating for a second and we can talk about the team USA roster announcements. So team USA, essentially, well, all the teams, they were able to choose how many total members. It was 12, right? But they had a, a final roster, a traveling roster of seven. Yes. And so we got that final traveling roster of seven. Here we go. Team USA, DPS, KSF, Sinatra, and Corey. Tanks, Space, and Super. Supports, Moth, and Rockus. So those are the final seven. Let's talk a little bit about this Team USA roster, though. And Joe, I know uh, you're pretty passionate about this one. How do you want to take this down? Do you want to go um, roll by roll? Yeah, we can do like uh, DPS, you know, support tank and kind of Great. discuss so them. Let's uh, chunk talk by about chunk. the DPS first, then. Uh, I think the most controversial, if anything. Mm -hmm. yep. The other two kind of make sense to me. Um, I remember a couple shows ago, we were like, you know, how does Sinatra fit within this team? I think that would be the one person that I kind of have to admit, not that I want to, but just the way that things are going or at, we're going at the time, obviously we have a little bit more, uh, have some more hints on where the meta may be shifting uh, within a couple months. But uh, yeah, kind of kind of surprising to see Sinatra. Um, KSF, Dante were, you know, kind of a toss up. Corey was kind of a given. Um, I, I'm interested to see what they want to do with Sinatra, to be fair. I think... 
ideally I kind of wanted to see them go with hydration just because I do worry about how super plays on some of his other uh, tank picks, namely the Arisa and the wrecking ball. And I did like the fact that the gladiators were kind of rotating hydration onto the wrecking ball. Um, in, in some instances, which I think USA could have used to their advantage at the time. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case or be all that strong. But yeah, interesting to see uh, Sinatra there. Um, Jessica, what you, what, you, what you think? I think so for one, if you think of, about that roster, right? And I don't want to uh, go f- too far ahead, but space is was already the set in stone off tank, only off tank in the final 12. So it is for one we don't know what the meta will be like and if zarya for some miraculous reason comes back even though she gets nerfed while she's not even good um i think then you for instance put sinatra in i think there's also something to be said about maybe not just having the best roster in mind but also just like can you avoid a season mvp and whatnot and also who are the alternatives because the people that uh, stayed at home were Dante and mm-hmm. um, Hydration, right, from the yeah. final try. Now, Hydration, I don't think he was really uh, in the running. Is probably the weakest of the DPS there. Uh, Dante, personally, was very surprising. He, to me, he was one of the um, only shining things in this Outlaws roster. Um, I agree with people that mostly said that they should be building the roster around. And crucially, he's also pretty flexible. So if you, especially now needing the flexibility, uh, it was interesting to see that uh, they, I mean, people might think, okay, they went with KSF instead. You could have even gotten KSF and Dante and just be, um, I mean, there's definitely overlap in their champion pools, but at the same time, so is, there is with Sinatra, right? So um, the thing is, their DPS has no perfect uh, like combination where the pieces just completely fit perfectly together and cover all the set champion pool. So uh, as such, I think Sinatra is an interesting pick, possibly also just like, can you even not nominate Sinatra is that you know season MVP type of thing and also I don't know what the shock will be doing for the next next couple of uh, matches but it would be interesting if they incorporate him more or, or if they're just going to keep running Architect and Rascal and his season is over which would be kind of sad but if not if he actually has a niche then maybe he extends his hero pool through that, through the excellent coaching of uh, of Shock, and therefore it makes sense. I will say that I think that with his limited playtime within uh, Stage 4, I believe, he has still been able to look really, really good on kind of niche picks like Doomfist. Um, and you have to give it up to to kind of the the shock management there, finding a way to kind of still integrate him and you know have him succeed. Um, yeah, that, there's no there's no wonder why they're doing so well when you can you have tools like that, but you also have the brains behind the scenes to be able to to find ways to utilize those those really strong pieces. So again, hats off to 
the coach is there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see Sinatra. I, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm under, under, underestimating, underrating him a little bit. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, intrigued to see how USA does these days. I think uh tank space and super. Yeah, that's kind I of think that's great. I, uh, I don't know. how else, who else would you have put in? Yeah. So here's, here's my thing. I think there was a possibility that you got a seven-man roster, right? Okay, so you're going like double or triple tank with the sun. Double, double main tank, maybe. But um, I, like, of course, there are considerations in terms of shot calling. How vocal is Muma uh, in comparison to Super? Also, how, um, how much will Super adapt to the new meta um, requirements of him? So... I'm saying I'm not saying that that should have happened. Even though I did, I think I remember defending that position once. I'm not that sure that that is still a good idea, especially with the way uh, Sinatra's hero pool is now sort of phasing out. But mm. um, it's it's not a thing that shouldn't be discussed. I think I think sure, there's still an idea to go with too many. I, I like you said, like you kind of hinted at, I wonder how much of a leadership role Super has kind of uh, filled in, um, adopted, whatever you want to kind of call it within the shock and how that correlates to the, uh, the USA's World Cup performance. Are they kind of leaning on him and Moth to kind of be the vocal members on that roster? If you take away one of those members, how does the team play? That's kind of a big shift change, like mid-match. Is that something that the players are going to be able to deal with? Um, do you just kind of take that on the chin and just say, well, okay, he might not be the best at these heroes, but he's fantastic for the team environment. It, it makes sense to me. It definitely makes a lot of sense. And space is just fantastic. And they've kind of covered any kind of uh, hero pool mishaps dynamic, that may have yeah. happened. Yeah. It, it, like the roster to me makes, you know, makes sense. So last one would be Moth and Rockus, though. Right. So yeah. this is the one I think that has drawn a little bit of controversy, not just from fans, but from players themselves. So this last week, uh, Dogman. Oh man, I wish we had him on the show this week. Uh, Dogman. Uh, after their, uh, it was kind of the the post match interview against Dallas Fuel. Threw a little shade, and I loved it. And essentially said, um, you know, like, what do you want to say? Because there's five. I think he said there's five of us on this team that um, are all from the United States. Arrow is the uh, coach for team USA and we just beat them. So, uh, essentially implying that they should have, um, been, been uh. chosen for team USA. I, I can like, I can feel Yiska's brain like oozing out of his ears a little yeah. bit at some of like the logical stuff around the fact that yeah. just cause you have American players on your team and win doesn't necessarily mean you're the best American players, but um, he doubled down, apparently, according to Goopy Noopy, uh, doubled down in the post-match uh, press conference as well, um, using the terminology um, used in uh, Connor's tweet was calling, calling him incompetent in both his coaching of Team USA and the Dallas Fuel. 
that, and he also threw shade at the other two coaches, at Junkbuck and Harsha, saying that oh, the I entire that. coaching is incompetent. Yes. So interesting. Here we are. We've got Moth and Rockus. To be fair, no Dallas Fuel players on Team USA. Um, Moth and Rockus. There's definitely. I think we were talking a little bit before the show. Dogman probably has one of the stronger the stronger arguments for who else do you put in probably over Rockus, right? Like I don't think anyone's looking to replace Moth, are they? Definitely. No. There's so, no chance. Good. I'm not, I'm not off base on that one. So I think that the big thing comes down to uh Rockus being one there. First of all, how can you have that team USA? You know, uh they say that Captain America is America's ass, but I, I beg to differ. Um, it might be raucous, but besides that, um, I don't know. Like personally, I, am I a bad person for saying that I'm sick of us talking about Houston outlaw players as being viable world cup players? I I definitely sympathize with that feeling, but I think it's fine. I definitely thought that Rockus was kind of the leading candidate here. I haven't really been all that high on Sleepy. I think there's a reason why he isn't playing right now. What that might be, I don't know. Is his Ana that strong? Rockus looks fantastic on Ana. Is his Zenyatta that strong? Not really. I think it's serviceable at best. But there again, how how prominent have we really seen Zenyatta in this metagame? That all comes into question with the next patch. What supports are we playing then? Kind of hard to tell. Um, I, I think Rockus has, has done a very good job on the heroes that you know the, the Houston Outlaws and the meta have kind of uh, put him on, and I, I think he's kind of. I thought he was the leading candidate here. I, I didn't really see a, a world where. Uh, Sleepy was getting in. Um, Dogman has been kind of... I don't know. I, I, I guess I would have to pay a little bit more attention to his <sighs> last couple performances. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Rockus was kind of a shoe in here. Is there a reason? Because a lot of people immediately, instead of Rockus, went to Sleepy as... as I think it's a lot of confirmation bias with a Zen play, if I had to guess. Um, he is a fantastic Zen. He was a fantastic Zen on Shock. He's been a, you know, very, very good. Has been a boon for the Justice, but that doesn't seem like it's going to be all that needed. Um, and I think you need to be a little bit more flexible at the flex, pos- think, you know, though, flex support position these days. I think though, what I what I wanted to ask you about though is there are some people who cited Sleepy's not mechanical skill, but more his ability to work together well in a team environment. We've definitely seen some drama going on Twitter from people um, about, you know, again, Overwatch World Cup just isn't about putting the best people on a roster. We've definitely learned that the uh, personality clashes can be a bigger downfall of your team rather than necessarily raw skill. Any thoughts? Mm. Any thoughts on that? Either regarding the sleeper, the sleepy perspective, or just generally, or do you think that that's just kind of Twitter and Reddit doing what they do best? <laughs> so, okay. So I think 
The rock is sleepy argument can be entertained. One thing that we also have to factor in is that Moth and Sleepy did play together, and there is some uh, synergy that is valuable, I suppose, um, in the back line. But I think it also has something to do with what kind of uh, direction you think the meta is going. And if you think that it's going to be more Ana-based, then I think Rockus is a fine idea. So. For me, Rock is over Sleepy. It could have gone either way. I don't think it makes too terribly big of a difference from a player perspective. Now, Dogman, especially with his comments that none of these US players should be, uh, or that more US players should be there, the entire argument is so badly discussed, it's actually ridiculous. So let's, let's first set the scene, right? When is this selection made? So, so the first selection is made somewhere in stage three. The outlaws are five and two, have beaten um, the shock, right? Did they beat the shock? They be beat a great team. Oh. Either the shock or the... I'm pretty sure it was the shock. Yeah, it, it was a shock. So they're five and two. At the same time, Atlanta are two and five, right? At the same time, and... However much credence you want to give to these, I personally think they definitely line up with my eye test is the player impact ratings. At this time, from stage one to stage three, the top four Atlanta players are none of the American players. They are sitting in a backpack, getting carried by Pogpo, by Daco at this point. FRD is not even really in the conversation, only to, uh, to slot in. And when he plays, he, I mean, understandably, first uh, couple of matches on a big stage and whatnot. So the FRD thing makes no sense to me at, at the time when we're discussing. The baby babe thing, pretty much the same, doesn't make any sense to me. Definitely not better than any of the DPS mentioned. Um, who else are the, the other... Uh, American players on uh, on Atlanta, but in, in general, the best claim. So yeah, Dogman, Dogman, Baby Band, mm -hmm. Baby, basically Gator. I think is the only the only other one. Gator is a joke, Baby dude. Bay, Dog like Man, even to Gator, bring that up, who's a two way player. Yeah, he do he doesn't even play in an over or regularly in the Overwatch League, and also honestly, like <sighs> I don't want to go too far out, but. I, I think he will get exposed on that new patch as well. So we, we will see how, how that uh, works out. But um, I don't think any... T like, like, he basically implies, if, if he honestly thinks that Gator should start above Super, I, I think we can all understand that that is not something that should be entertained. FRD should not be entertained. Baby Base should not at the time that we're making this decision. And Dogman admittedly had a bad tryout. And also, um, I mean, the way he is publicly also comes off this way behind the scenes quite often, right? So definitely in terms of a, a gelling uh, aspect, Dogman has the best claim, and we have reasons to see why that didn't end up in the final selection. I think he was out in first or second round of that entire process. So who is actually the, the person that is being elevated here to have been or 
to be required at so, that time that they're making that call. None. There, there should not be an Atlanta player on that roster. So there is That's one not. other. Dogman did bring up the player Hawk, who is currently 17, turns 18 September 16th, which I believe is within the... Is, can't remember if he's underage or he is eligible, but that was a thing as well. He plays for Atlanta Academy currently as a flex tank. Um, yeah, ahead of super, uh, ahead of space. Okay. What are we yeah. even talking I, about? I here? That entire thing is a clown I'm argument. Just here, I'm just mediating, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, no, no, it. I'm not talking against you. Yeah, yeah. Reddit and Twitter need a mediator between us and you, them and you, yeah. and then I liked it. But you're right. You're right. Like, I don't doubt that Hawk is a great player. But is he better than? Is he better is than the, space and um super? That's a tough. That's tough. No, 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 like no, you don't get like so. But back to your thought though is you know Yiska, you you said well maybe Team USA should run three tanks. Then is Hawk a consideration? No, I, you need that slot in a space is just set. I don't know what the what the issue there is, especially if you want to bring Sinatra and figure fix that potential. I'm not even saying space has a bad, a, a terrible Zarya, right? Probably has a. I mean, it, it really depends. The set of medicine. We cannot even say if Sinatra could play the uh, the way a Zarya could potentially play whatever that might look like. Whatever, that was going to be right? my question: Is could could Sinatra hop on Zarya? Because he's, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's, there's a little bit of flexibility there too. I just, yeah, I don't see a world where Hawk is better than like the tanks out of all three positions are the ones that make the most sense for Team USA. I don't think that the flexibility is lacking there to justify a third tank player. Also, real talk. I'd love to live in a universe. Where shit talk like this isn't taken seriously and isn't jeopardizing any careers in the old league. Not in this universe. Every agent will tell you that public opinion absolutely does matter in terms of types of contracts you are able to sign, even the types of jobs you get. We even had situations this year where a thing didn't come to be because of the public feedback that was given due to um, the, the roster move leaking. So, come on. Like... If you got a shit talk, at least make it something reasonable in that sense. And to say that both Harsha and Junkbuck are not uh, competent, dude, A, nothing would run at, at Vancouver if it wasn't for Harsha. And I'm not sure what Junkbuck is doing, but come on, they, they are coaches of top, some of the top teams that you cannot hold a candle to for the, the vast majority of the season. So, um, come on. You good? Everyone good? So is this a, is this a team? This the final seven? Is this a team we face? We're in the same group as South Korea again. Um, I say we, including Yiska, because apparently he's American. Um, oh, he, a, he he wants to say as far away from this country as possible. Let me tell you. Um, so is is this a team that could go up against South Korea? in group stages. It's the big one, right? 
I, it, it honestly depends. Like it, we're going to kind of have to see just on merit alone. I don't think so, but I think it really depends to give a to give a better answer. I think it honestly depends on what the meta looks like, what the patch is, you know, how how does this roster play that patch in terms of just hero pools? You know, they seem to have their bases covered, but we can't really measure them up um, when a, we don't know the rest of the groups. And, you know, obviously South Korea has some of the, the best talent in the world. So it's that's a tough ask. That's that's difficult. I need you to tell me right now if we're gonna get a gold medalist here. No, right you're now. not. USA will not win gold. Boom, there it is. Yeska, you feel the same way? I mean betting against South Korea is a losing bet. Monty, Even China. Monty would be proud. It's all that time on oversight, I think. <laughs> Got you brainwashed there. Just kidding. I mean, look at the top of the league. No, you're right. There's like there's like three, three good Western dudes right now, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them aren't even playing. It's true. Yeah, I mean, the other the other half of the Team USA conversation starts with the Houston Outlaws player. So that should tell you <laughs> about how far it goes. Um, sorry, Outlaws fan, um, fans, fans. I mean, fan. I don't know anymore. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows how the fans are feeling? I think I think Texas. they've got been, plenty of fans. It's been a rough year for just Texas teams in general. So, uh, my let's say this for Outlaws fans. They are like what? What's going on behind the scenes with the Outlaws? I think they're they're like the initial impression of this new investment group and the guys to make the decisions and who they are talking to and whatnot. I'm positive. I'm, I'm looking upwards on the Outlaws. Cool. Maybe I will too then. We'll see. All right. We need to talk a little bit about playoffs though. <laughs> so we do have playoffs starting this week. Uh, this is your Overwatch League Season 2 Playoff Primer. Before we get started, we're just going to re-clarify some of the rules so that there's no ambiguity going in, and then we can go in and actually have a conversation without having to explain the format during that conversation, which always ends up happening. Yeah. So, first let's talk about the Season 2 playoffs. They're going to consist of the top teams in each division, which is Vancouver's in the Pacific Division, NYXL in the Atlantic Division, and then the following four teams in the standing standings regardless of division will make the top six straightforward so far makes sense um i do need to snag one thing here because i always forget to do this i need to do it right now so this is one of those things when people are like you should prepare more for your shows Trust me, I remember to remember that there's reseeding, okay? I prepared plenty. <laughs> don't, don't try to tell me how to show, okay? So the, the big one is, and, and the big implication from last week is that London Spitfire were indeed knocked out of play-in. Or knocked, knocked out of top six and now are yes, in play-in. now are in play-in. play-in. With Soul Dynasty at the top. So <laughs> the 7th through 12 teams which are London, Spitfire, and Seoul Dynasty at 7-8, and then Guangzhou, Fusion, Fusion uh, Dragons, and Hunters are 9th through 12th. They're going to play 
for the seventh and eighth seeds in the actual playoffs. Pretty straightforward. Single elimination. Um, first to four wins. I do have a clarifying question for anyone who can answer this. It's defined as strictly as best of or first to four, which doesn't mean best of seven. Does it actually mean first to four wins? Or is that just a mistype in Overwatch League rules? No, first to four because you couldn't tie maps, right? And then. But neither team gets a win if they tie. Yes. Yes. So we could go. I think so. Wait, that is a good question. Ooh, but I think don't think they did that in the past, yeah. Because I went, I went and read the rules again today because I was looking up the rules on Liquipedia. Mm. So draws are thrown out. First to four means that we could have some long series. It's po- yeah, it's a possibility for sure. So, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. O4 Watch says it could mean that you could have nine maps, especially with teams that are close. Just wanted to clarify we got that right. Play-ins, playoffs, and grand finals are all first to four wins. So the whole the whole way through from this week's games all the way to the grand finals in Philadelphia are all going to be um, first to four wins. We get two weeks of playoffs. So we have play-ins this week, playoffs for two weeks, and then a two week or a week break and then grand finals. Um, the play-ins and grand finals are both single elimination as well. So the playoffs themselves are double elimination until we get to the grand finals. Any additional clarifications, things that we might've skipped over Joe Yiska that people need to know about the format. I don't think so. I think as long as we remember that play-ins will reseed going into the semifinals, I think we should be okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's, that's what we're talking about here. Obviously again, Vancouver and NYXL already seeded in the, um, as division leaders, shock spark gladiators and rain are the other four teams who don't have to play in play-ins. Can can I just bring up one meta point, which is I honestly think being first and second seed is a disadvantage. Because, okay, here it comes, right? You would think that getting the people from the play-ins would make it so that you have an easier time. I don't think that's true. Whoever gets out of the play-ins is probably a monster. Why? Because you have a selection process on that very meta and only the best teams come out of that. It's like you, you send like a, um, an animal into a, a niche window where it's like this apex predator has already like adapted to this niche and now they are trying to f- figure it out. To be fair, the advantage of course being that the, the top seed teams have footage on the on the teams in the play-ins, I don't think that makes up for it though. Especially seeing who are the uh, the other teams. Like I'd much rather play, for instance, the Spark than um, than 
So if I'm, for instance, the Gladiators, I'd much rather play the Spark than anyone that could uh, that is likely to come out of the play-ins, right? So I personally think that is a pretty big disadvantage. And here's a cool solution. We're going back to Apex style. Have the first and the second seed in a, in a cool format, Watchpoint or whatever, pick their opponents. After the play-ins are done, bit of shit talk, like, okay, we're picking them because they're super easy. Or we're picking them because we want to kill them before the grand funds or something. Right? Like, ballsy moves are possible. Probably shouldn't do that, but, like, I love that, that should idea. be a fix. I don't actually agree, though, that in this situation, playoffs could be a disadvantage. I, like, I understand what you're saying, like, this natural selection thing, but assuming that the meta doesn't shift majorly, just a little bit of an assumption you're looking at these teams that are in the top 12 did not in the last stage finish in the top eight except for Guangzhou Guangzhou is yeah, the only think, team that I'm afraid of yeah and that's if the, the meta you're a top two yeah. top two seed Guangzhou comes out they're third best team in the world you the NYXL but I think that applies to Guangzhou not necessarily to the rest of them. The, yeah, the rest of them. I even think London is going to be the same thing. I think, and I'm I think to... the the meta is going to change significantly. Yes. And this also goes so as far as seeding goes, Guangzhou for the entire season is ninth, meaning that they're going to likely be the higher seed. So it means that they've got to play Seoul. So I think London sneaks in here. Right, because London then has to play either Fusion, Dragons, or Hunters. And I honestly think that they can beat all three. Assuming, again, no major meta shifts. Hunter's obviously the biggest wild card, right? I don't yeah. know. Like I, for, for me, I just look at this. I look at, you know what? Guangzhou, you got to work a little harder for this one. And then, you know, whatever. Fusion, Dragons, Hunters, duke it out, and then go lose to London. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is Fusion or Dragons lose to London, then Spitfire has to play NYXL, they clap them, which is already terrible because you maybe have a chance at Spark if you're NYXL, I would say. Or who else is likely? I'd even, honestly, like, that might be ridiculous, but if I'm Spark, I'm probably much rather picking... Um, the gladiators or even the rain then i'm picking the uh the charge with which from the season record doesn't make much sense just like projected in what is go what is the next meta going to be because as it looks like there is no five-man backpack for us anymore that's not going to to work in, in the playoffs so yeah so i don't know i'm like i i like the idea that you brought up of doing some manual seating and oppose opponent choosing. I think it would make for more interesting games because still, as it currently stands, we're taking entire seasons worth of results to then snapshot to something where I think we can at least very, you know, we talked about, um, divisional ties and we talked about, uh, languages and all these other, uh, factors that you know kind of persist throughout a, a 
a team's being successful or not. Meta's largely at, a, at the top, right? It has to be. There's not been one factor that has caused bad teams to all of a sudden be amazing and amazing teams to all of a sudden be bad more than Meta. Yeah. And right now, I think that's the biggest problem that we have with the Overwatch League playoffs is even now, I don't feel like we're getting the top, the best eight teams. Not even just from the season, but even overall. Yeah. It can kind of look like a smattering little skirmish, right? Like reseed everybody however you want or hide the seeds and you, there's a very good chance you cannot tell who's the higher seed and who's the lower seed. When you have a one and an eight, you kind of hope that that's kind of apparent, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, a- like, honestly, for instance, like a, like a team like the Valiant in aggregate over the season, like, they're probably a better team than Spitfire this year. They just had the harder uh, division. And that, that sounds ridiculous because, oh, wait, they, they got that Mark of the Dragon, 07 first stage. Still, like, I think if they, if they switched spots, London and Valiant, Valiant is in the plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. <sighs> yeah. Can we talk about some of these specific matches coming up? Let's sure. Do. Let's get in it. Let's do so match number one is going to be Guangzhou versus Chengdu. Uh, we'll let uh, our China scholar and just, you know, we basically push this on you at this point. Like Joe doesn't actually have this incredible, like super duper, like Oracle. He does, but he also is like really smart and everything else. I think we just all go, yeah, but he knows China the best. I think we're going to do it anyway. Guangzhou, Chengdu. Is this something, you know, right now I just, you know, mentioned, and here's what, here's, you're going to be your answer. Well, we don't know what the meta is going to shape up to be. And that's a big factor and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. I said it for you. You don't have to say it anymore. You don't get to say it anymore. Okay, Charge versus Chengdu. Is this something, does, is it not as one-sided as it looks? Uh, no, this is, pretty one-sided there's there's very few worlds that i see that hunters can come out and succeed um i I, three things that i think the hunters have to do if they want to succeed in the play-ins they have to come out with their own look they have to throw curveballs right this is this is their style they have to play for comfort they have to find something that they excel at that nobody else is doing and catch people off guard especially charge um they have worse map records overall across multiple game types they're they're just not playing comparatively as well as the charge on almost any game type i think the only one that's close is control and that's why i think it's going to kind of set the pace for the entire match if hunters can come out and and win the first control that sets them up pretty well going forward but it's this this is a uphill battle in almost every sense of the word you're going into a new meta so i think flexibility is very important that's something that the charge has showcased all season you've got hot but coming around playing multiple different roles multiple different heroes looking really really good from a season one that looked let's face it quite bad rio coming in 
nice sleeper main tank playing almost all the main tanks at least at a at a mediocre level at least in you know a serviceable level i think that's you know something to be said i will agree i will agree that there is a there could be a change up in the hunters starting lineup you could maybe see jichiren or late young come in to play flex tank and as they as symmetra kind of evolves we've seen hunters play quite a bit of symmetra going back towards the midseason elsa could play symmetra there's a possibility but I, even with that in mind i don't see them matching the flexibility matching just historical precedents in terms of just map win loss ratios um game type win loss ratios like this is a, an uphill battle the charger coming in they have a week ahead of prep the hunters didn't even realize that they were going to be in play-ins until like a couple days ago so this this is this would be a huge upset if hunters could pull this off but i don't see it happening i think this is very much a charge victory cannot believe this is happening give me a i mean i'm not Can you i'm give not me a percentages bias. by the way by huge 70 30 yeah yes okay. 70 30 cool. charge I, I i i it's hard to not give hunters just a ballpark you know hail mary chance just because of how they play they're very they're kind of heavy handed in that sense, but they don't have much else in their arsenal. Like they're, they're very much a puncher's chance team. Like there could just, they could catch the charge with something they're not expecting and knock them out. That could happen. Is that likely to happen with how well we've seen the charge play last meta? Probably not. This is a 70, 30 game. Yiska, you look like you're going blind in one eye right now. Indeed. Um, <laughs> Welcome at what the is Scrimlox that? Cafe. That's a that's a bottle cap. Oh. Um, so here at the Scrimbox Cafe, uh, Street, not cafe. Um, the uh, the hunters are actually doing very well. They they are the fourth best best team in the world right now in on this patch. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I is it think, for any of the reasons see, that I've mentioned? In in my uh, <laughs> in my um, estimation, I was like, yeah, Joe. Okay, so Joe thinks like this is ridiculous, and it's like, oh, they don't have don't have an off chance. And in my mind, I'm like laying out the percentages, going like, yeah, okay. So I still think Charge is a is a favorite, but it's like 65, 35. And he's like going, oh. Oh my god, the chance in hell, and he goes 70 30. I'm like, like, okay, bro, like your your adjectives there are a little, you know, off. I think 60 60 40, 65 uh, 35. I think Chengdu, um, this might be one of the best matches we are we are going to have in the playoffs, play ins, playoffs, in the play ins or the playoffs, both when you combine really? them postseason, yeah. Mm. Okay, that's gotta write that one that's down. Interesting. Yiska, Charge Hunters. Hmm. Okay. Also, I don't. I don't know where the whole narrative that the Hunters have just been like complete poop against the Charge all season. Like they played twice. They're one and one and five and four in maps. Like I don't know where that came from. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, can, you can. I was just gonna you say, can argue that. You can argue that like week one charge, like that match didn't really count because, oh, well, charge didn't have Nero. I, I agree. Like that's that is something you have to, you know, you know, kind of secede and, and omit. One. But it's also week one for the Hunters. It's also week one for every team's first, you know, 
your your rookie appearance on stage there's jitters all over the place i think that point's a little weak i think not having nero is is definitely important um i don't know i don't i don't buy into that narrative at all i think that's kind of bs i i hate siding with yiska on these things especially you think it's a little bit closer i i i do and there's a few aspects of it i think that um in the past, hunters have definitely shown up the most when things look the most one-sided. Like it tends to be, yeah. you know, there's like this aspect kind of, of just like wild card uh, things. I do think that we are seeing a meta shift that does actually favor the hunters a little bit. That being said, I don't know, Guangzhou... It's hard to bet. You don't go six and one in stage four and then, you know, kind of like it's, it's clear that they're on the up and up. So I don't know. I've, I honestly put it 60, 40 is as far as I want to go with hunters charge. But I do think that if charge win, it's not close. Um, it's, it's meaningful gap. Either hunters lose or win or, Two, four, three, or uh, Guangzhou wins four zero four one. Like I think, I think that that's those are the type of stakes that we're looking at. Um, fair enough. It got this all written down, by the way, and we'll maybe I'll have time to make a nice little graphic for it. Let's talk about we'll fusion versus dragons. Is this one any closer, <laughs> Yiska? <laughs> this is. <laughs> this is definitely less exciting. I will say that. Like, I think I'm excited for what Fusion used. I mean, they they sort of at least showed the ability to have curveballs last playoffs. So maybe we can expect as much. And then the same probably can be said about Shanghai as well. Yeah. But my God, these two teams look like, like who wins here. Like I like there's no strong leader here and I don't like either team advancing anyways. Yeah. Um, I don't see any I, either of these teams doing well in the semifinals in the play ins. I don't know who wins. There's not a really clear path to victory for either team. Doesn't seem like any of the the heroes that we've kind of seen through, you know, high rated ladder clips and maybe some scrim footage like fits either of these teams very well. I think Yisk is right. I think it's going to come down to kind of pocket picks, you know, allowing Ding or EQO or Carpe like to, to kind of shine and, and set them up for success. I I don't like either of these teams. This is it's close, but not in a good way. The good thing is that uh, Spitfire is likely just going to clap cheeks. Yes, after that. hopefully. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. That, that makes it interesting, though, right? So if the Hunters do pull off an, op- an upset, they go against Spitfire. They would play London, yes. And then the winner goes against Dynasty. Mm-hmm. I don't think, does that, does that change anything in your mind? I mean, if Hunter makes it out against Charge, then Spitfire is doomed, dude. Like, it's over. <laughs> yeah, if they can upset like that and they're playing as hot as you're saying, 
um i guess but like either philly or dragons versus soul do you think anybody but soul wins those matches uh wait not so if, either fusion or dragons was it doesn't matter yeah. they both win right they both yeah. have to play soul in this, no, in this have... reality in this reality oh, where wait, 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 wait. Yes. oh yeah if chengdu advances no that, either that's, Phil- also doesn't matter like it doesn't matter i think soul uh, just has a, a good breath they they're not the greatest team but they're better than fusion and shanghai at least from what we've seen in stage four and and i think historically this season wow. i don't think that matters I, I didn't realize I could care less than yeah, Fusions this, this, against Dragons and then Dynasty against either of those. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I will have to motivate myself to watch these. I hope that isn't the case. I hope that they come out. Maybe they can show up with the new meta, play it really well. Maybe they have their own curveball strategy. You know, again, you know, I think the Hunters are the most chaotic team in the league there that's left in the league. Um, but there's reason to believe that maybe Fusion and Dragons could, uh, you know, play a similar style, if that makes sense. Not in-game style, but kind of meta style. Play to their strengths, play around some of their star players, let them shine, put them in positions to succeed. There's there's a, you know, there's a possibility that one of those teams comes out, claps the other one, goes and plays soul in this hypothetical universe where Hunters somehow beats the charge and beats soul. I don't think it's likely, but... I don't know. I don't know. It's, so, it, it's weird. Let's put a nice, beautiful bow on this one. Okay. Who are your two teams that walk out in the seventh and eight seed into playoffs? Do we have to have them numbered? I mean, it's, it's going to be matter. Dynasty or Spitfire or whoever plays them. So you don't. So kind of. Okay. Um, I'm going to take. I'll take. And let me know if I'm doing this right. So the lower seed. Hmm. I hate reseeding. Um, I only What's hate reseeding question? because. Question is, is who are the two teams that take the? Who are your teams advancing from playoffs? Yeah, who advances to playoffs? Which two teams advance to playoffs? I understand that, but what what is your question about the reseeding? I'm I'm trying to think like okay, if if charge, well, I'm a slow boy. Okay, you got to bear with me. (laughs) Charge is always charge plays soul. Charge advances. Charge London, I think. Charge at seventh, London at eighth. That's my two teams. Hopefully, charge, that's right. So you say charge Spitfire. Got it. Charge wins over Hunters. They play Soul. They beat Soul. London advances. Charge beats London. Charge seventh, London eighth. Yes. Hopefully, right. that's right. God, I hope that's right. Yes, no, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. God. Um, yeah, that's my record, too. So you think so? You think Dynasty can beat any team except for Charge? Is that what you were saying earlier? Uh, they probably can beat Fusion and Dragons. Yeah, if that happens, if Ch- uh, Hunters upset and have to play against yeah. Spitfire, yeah. 
Well, I'm going to be no fun then. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it interesting because Eric can't track this. <laughs> Just kidding. He can't. He will find a way. Um, yeah. So I'm going to actually say, you know, I think, I think the hunters could beat the charge. So I'm going to go off of that and say hunters beat charge. Then they beat the spitfire and then dynasty wins. Whoever fusion dragons wins. I don't think it matters. So I'm going to say dynasty hunters into the playoffs. Bold, bold. I like it because you know, I don't want to agree with you guys. Although honestly, it's like 55 45 for just like me just saying whatever charge spitfire. See you guys next time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess so. Whatever it means nothing. I'm just the host, right? Like what I actually have to say or think about the game doesn't even matter. Um, yeah. All right. There it is. It would, it's time actually, believe it or not. We're actually at that point. Got through this one kind of quick. Pretty painless, pretty painless. But, uh, you know, Joe wants to get back to playing that vanilla. Wow. Listen, I'm sitting in queue. You want an update? I'm 7,594th in queue with a 291 minute wait. Okay. When I'm not did you getting start at play. when the show started? What was it at? Like, like 9K. 9,000. So you've got at least two. I got another hours. couple hours before I'm going to be able to play. Okay. Right. So I got work to do. I got playoff predictions to make. I got videos to create. It's fine. It's fine. I can play on the weekend. It's no big deal. London seven charge eight. Charge I don't eight. Think that that can happen. Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, it, it would basically be ours, but spit or uh, charge loses to Spitfire in the qualified uh, portion of the. Yeah. So the Spitfire seeds are just swapped. Okay. Yep. Got it. All right. Stop yelling also, at me. Stop I'm yelling sorry. at me, chat. Jeez bunch of psychos so, <laughs> um, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here uh, thanks again to everybody who uh, two did for the live show all 87 of you appreciate you 87 it's a party in there um, yes qualified teams cannot I don't think the qualified teams play each other. We're, I, I think we're talking about something different. Uh, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, big thanks to our patron producers, Battle Crab, Maid, and Peter Y. Thank you so much for your incredible support of the show. Don't forget Tactical Crouch Game Night for patrons and subs. Twitch.tv slash kicktripod. 4 p.m. Pacific. On Saturday, we'll be playing some games, hanging out. It was a great time last time. We went for like about three hours, so uh, it's a pretty lengthy game night there. No five-star iTunes reviews this week, uh, but we did reach 100 iTunes reviews on the U.S. iTunes store. If you are like, guys, I'm not giving you money, I don't blame you. Don't give us money if you don't want to or don't have the money, whatever. But leaving a five-star iTunes review does mean a ton, helps us get discovered by more people, and uh, yeah, overall is great. So um, please go ahead and do that. 
Other than that, uh, shout outs for the week. And where can people find you, Yiska? Well, for last week, I guess at Upcomer, and then we will see. Um, also, thank you, everyone who retweeted my reaching out tweet. A lot of love there. Was pretty happy to see that. Um, I'm in talks with some people. Hopefully, I get a new platform soon. But yeah, otherwise, Twitter as, as usual. Sweet. Which is all at Yiska out. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll do this for you. Anything else that I can translate for <laughs> viewers. Uh, Joe, what about you? Shout outs of the week. Where can people find you? Um, yeah, let's get this guy a job. Um, love what he writes. Obviously a good friend of mine. Um, call me biased, but you know, definitely, uh, definitely deserves it. So show some love go uh go click those ads all that nonsense um Thanks, you can find me <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at volamel on twitter v-o-l-a-m-e-l um i also set up my twitch um i might stream some classic wow at the wee hours of the morning so if you're around i may may tweet it out i may not i don't know uh come in say hi um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm gonna go record a couple videos, finish up uh, some playoff previews, and then uh, I got a paladin to level, boys. All right. Oof. All right. Really? <laughs> yeah, me, really. You can find Oof. me everywhere at Kick Tripod. Um, streaming twitch.tv slash kick tripod, twitter.com slash kick tripod, youtube.com slash kick tripod, where you also can find the VODs for this very show. Other than that, not a whole lot going on, though. So um, pretty straightforward. All right. That's going to do it for us. Make sure to follow Tactical Crouch at Tactical underscore Crouch on Twitter. Join our Discord, discord.me slash Yiska out. And I don't know. Uh, just don't be a stranger. All right. We're out of here. We'll see you guys next time. Episode 50 coming at you next week. Yeah.